Thank you for joining us in our study of the book of Genesis, entitled The Origin of Reason. As we study these things, I I can honestly say I get excited when I look at them because it is refreshing, it's encouraging, and it's a joy to see how the Lord moves and how the Lord has moved to establish faith and how he's used particular men to do a particular thing. And it may be odd to say this, but as we study these early passages in Genesis, we're gaining an understanding of the order of salvation or the steps of salvation. And there are an assortment of issues to consider as you see that men come to call upon the Lord through many different avenues, but they come to call on the Lord in a particular way every time they come this way. So that's, that's the neat thing. The Lord uses any number of things to convict and to convince a man. However, the path that the man must follow is always the same. Now, how a person reaches that path is as different from one man as it is for the other. But the Lord takes us all down the same Calvary road is what old evangelists used to call it. Finding that path is what makes things different for every individual. But the way to Christ is fixed. Now, how do we get to that place? That's where you have your own story, your personal testimony. He brought me to the end of my rope in a way he did not employ with my wife. She grew up in a very sheltered atmosphere. Her background was totally different, different as night and day from mine. However, we both came to Christ while we were young. I was in college. My wife was raised in a Christian home. I was not. Though our environments were different and we came down different roads, we each had to turn down the same path. And it's a path that a great deal of people ignore or have never ever been told about. The path is called repentance. And repentance leads to faith in Christ. Now, while we came by different roads... We followed the same path, and this path does not ever change from one individual to the next. There are not a variety of roads that lead us to Christ. There is only one. How we come to that place of conviction differs, as I've mentioned. But once we're on that, in that direction, the Spirit of God does the same work in each one of us. That is why we recognize one another. This is the first step in election. Now, this is a subject a lot of people avoid and some deny it exists, while others redefine it and make it fit into their own personal views. By definition, election simply means a formal and organized choice. It's a word that's used 24 times in Scripture in one form or another, and it means that someone chose in an organized and formal way someone else. Verses like uh, John 1.13 and James 1.18 reveal that God chose to save a particular individual before the person is actually born. This is all tied to a conviction of sin and faith being given in Christ. Then, in 1 John 3.9, we read about sanctification. Romans 8.28-30 adds justification and glorification. These verses say And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his Son, so that 
he would be the firstborn among many brethren, and these whom he predestined, he also called. And these whom he called, he also justified. And these whom he justified, he also glorified. Here then is the sequence that is present in Genesis chapter 3. Conviction of sin coming after the pronouncement of judgment by God. Faith is expressed by Adam giving the title of Eve to his wife. Now, justification symbolized by the change of clothing worn by Adam and his wife. It's the result of the faith that was evidenced in Genesis 3.20, that God moves and does what he does in Genesis 3.21. Adam came down the same path you and I have to come. This is why Genesis is such an amazing book to study. It sets forth the first principles, and the Bible does not deviate from the first principles that are presented. After Adam expressed faith, God moved and removed the fig leaves that they were wearing, and he clothed them in the skins of an animal. We read this and we see the sequence of events. In looking for understanding, you might ask why. Why did God do this? Adam and Eve needed clothing to cover their shame. The clothing industry is developed here. This precedes other professions as the oldest in existence. Might take note of that. The first effect of sin was that Adam and Eve's eyes were opened and they understood that they were naked. They tried their hand at tailoring but were limited in their skill and they really had no ideas what to wear. They sewed some fig leaves together and covered themselves, and God soon replaced all this. Now, there was a psychological and a physical need that was met here. The awareness of their nakedness revealed that Adam and Eve now stood in a wrong relationship with one another. They were aware uh, something was up. Something had been broken. They saw each other, and there was shame. What happened? Well, sin entered. They ran and they hid themselves from God. They were personally embarrassed and ashamed. They felt exposed. Psychological exposure is intolerable in human nature. To relieve this pressure and shame, they worked to provide for themselves a covering they felt was adequate and sufficient. So, this is what we tend to do when uh, we find ourselves in a position of shame. We try to cover up. We try to cover our shame with what we feel will do the job. A nice skirt, khakis, loafers, good haircut, education, nice car, I'm good, you're good, we're all presentable, that's sufficient. But God says to Adam, no, no, that's not good enough, no. He says to Eve the same thing. God says no to me. He says it's not by works of righteousness that you can cover yourself and make yourself acceptable to me. It's not sufficient. Now, all the works you provide will not suffice. The shame is still there. Righteousness is a garment only God can provide. Excuses and hiding won't suffice. Making your own garments, choosing your own way won't suffice. Hiding, you can't hide from God. Blaming God will not do the job. Adam tried. Eve blamed the serpent, but nope, none of that worked. You can't win by trying to appear to be something that you are not. If you're doing this, stop it. 
God knows exactly where you are, who you are, and what you've done. He sees how you're dressed. He sees if you're happy or if you're sad. He sees if you're hiding or if you're not hiding. It makes no sense to put on airs before God or others. If you're living to please them, you're going to have a long, long road to walk. And guess what? You will never succeed. Never. The life you desire is only going to be found in God. And that's what Adam and Eve had to come back to see. And that's what they did see. Let God do what he needs to do, and he will do exactly what needs to be done in you and through you and for you. All you need to do and all we need to do is to submit to him and allow him a free hand. If we obey and follow, let him clothe you. He's a great tailor. He's a great tailor. You know, in preparing this lesson, I googled fig leaves and I looked at different pictures and wanted to get an idea, a good point of reference. And I must say that I wasn't impressed. Granted, they seem to be big and broad, but not something I'd want to build a wardrobe around. How would you sew them together? And how long would they hold together? They're going to die eventually and fall off. There wouldn't be a continual covering, obviously. No, it was totally inadequate. Adam and Eve were obviously not of the same opinion. They sewed these fig leaves together, figuring they had made themselves some good covering. It was trendy, you know, stylish. It looked good for that day. And they might have thought, good work. Look what we've done. And that's what we tend to do. Yeah, that's just what it was. Good work. The most common covering we call upon is good works. Paul talks about this in Romans 2. Now, I want you to note this, that we're jumping from Genesis all the way into the book of Romans into the New Testament. So the book of Genesis opens up all of Scripture to us. Paul talks about what was done in Romans 2, where men persevere in doing good, seeking for glory and honor and even immortality. Some guys are truly serious in their endeavors. I mean, they are serious. They give up everything, they leave everything, and they go out and do good. Why? Because they believe that by doing good things, they will achieve the glory and honor that God gives and perhaps find eternal life. Albert Schweitzer, good example. He had a zest for life and a reverence for life that was not necessarily dependent upon or founded in the love of God. Matter of fact, he did not believe in the Christian God. He held other beliefs. Good works? Oh, he had, a, he had them in abundance. And he persevered in good works, and he pushed hard and long doing good things. Mother Teresa of Calcutta, if there was a woman who was filled with good works, this lady's basket was absolutely full. But in her own words, her salvation was dependent upon these good works. This is what she was counting on. Her view of God was not anything close to what is put forth in the Bible. Her view according to Sister Teresa herself, was as follows, and this, I quote, In coming face to face with God, we accept him in our lives. Then we're converted. We've become a better Hindu or a better Muslim, a better Catholic, or a better whatever we are. Whatever is God in your mind, you must accept, end quote. 
But when it came to works, she had them in abundance, and she persevered in the works. And this is what is known as a moralist approach. These people were considered good, and more than likely, they considered themselves to have attained a particular and acceptable level of goodness because of their moral attainments. If heaven is filled with good people, then I'm one of them. But God is not accepting moral people into heaven today. Not today, yesterday, not ever. He makes this very, very clear in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. Paul says there, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that is not of yourself. It is a gift of God, not as the result of works, so that no one may boast. Good work? Fig leaves. This is a first principle that's established and revealed in the book of Genesis. It's one of the first things that we have to understand. God does not accept good works. This principle will not change throughout the entirety of scriptures or throughout eternity. My wife showed me something tonight that was very, very interesting. It was a picture of a doorway in the land of Goshen during the Passover, the first Passover. And the caption read, The death angel did not look to see who was in the house and how they were doing. He looked to see the blood over the doorway and on the doorpost. That's what God's interested in. He's not interested in how you're dressed or how many good works you got and all that you got planned. He's interested in seeing Christ in you. Christ in you is the hope of glory. These are the things that we really, really need to learn to embrace as we study and get hold of the origins reason. I want to thank you very much for joining us today, being with us in this study. Your participation is well appreciated, and I hope you receive something of benefit. Come back next week and be with us as we study again the origin of reason.